Welcome to the latest podcast from Extra Expertise. Today we're talking to Professor Alan Brown from the Index Centre here at Exeter. We're going to be looking at the latest developments in AI and what all of these mean for the way that we work and live. Alan, a very good afternoon to you. Thank you and to you. So AI is something I guess that um, to some people scares the living daylights out of, to others it's an amazing opportunity and if we look at the launch of ChatGPT at the end of last year. That was very much, I think, one of those things that polarised opinion. So just to begin with, I mean, fundamentally, how do you think we should view AI developments like this? And then if I could ask you really what you see perhaps as the five big changes we may see over the next 12 months. I think there's a lot going on right now, Toby, as you described artificial intelligence and the technologies around it have been on our radar for some time. Many people have theorized and talked about and experimented with ways of using what we generally might call smart technologies. And most of those are fed by large data sources. They're using algorithms in order to understand, analyze, look for patterns in that data, and then try to infer new things with useful statistical methods and other sorts of mathematical approaches. And I think what I see when people are starting to explore AI is they get both excited by the possibilities of what this brings to us, but they also get very confused about what will that mean for the kinds of jobs that we do, for skills that we have valued over the years, but now perhaps are not as useful in a world where that kind of automation can take away a lot of the mundane information management, pattern matching kinds of things that we tend to spend a lot of our time doing. So I think we're in that difficult period when we're still trying to understand where we can accentuate those positive ideas and how we can begin to give up some of those perhaps less interesting parts of our jobs without them feeling oh, we're giving up a part of ourselves. And would you say, this is a personal question, if you don't mind, would you say you're broadly uh, positive or, or negative about the, the changes that AI can bring us? I'm very positive about it. And I'm positive about it because I think we're beginning to ask some better questions now than we were a couple of years ago around what these smarter technologies and AI and data science can do for us. And we're moving away from the purely technical questions to the what does it mean for us as individuals, as organizations, as a society. And to me, that's a very positive move. So I, I'm quite positive about where we're going. Of course, there are issues, but I'm positive in general about where we're headed. Obviously, we're talking now at the beginning of January, but another busy 12 months ahead. It would be great to really go into a bit more detail about what you see as some of the big trends and themes we're going to see this year. I've picked out five areas that I think will be the major focus areas for AI for the next 12 months or so. And I don't think you'll find any surprises here necessarily, but maybe I can just give a few reasons why. The first area for me is that we are going to have to deal with some of these more ethical and moral questions. And they're going to be a lot more in your face, I think, in 2023 than they've ever been. There's some obvious things to do with fakes and deep fakes and other sorts of things. There's a TV series about to start in January where essentially what they've done is they've taken deep fake descriptions and images of celebrities and they put them in very unusual circumstances. And the humor is about them being in these strange circumstances. But it's quite disconcerting to see the trailers for them and to say, that really was faked? Or is that real? Is that really that actor or that sports person? And of course, they're not. They're all faked. And I think we see that in many areas where people are concerned, what questions that raises. Did those celebrities give permission for that? If we're essentially laughing at them 
because they've been put in these strange positions. Is that justifiable? And I think if you take that and then you add what's going on with tech, with ChatGPT and others, we're generating all sorts of information that come from an automated source, not a person. And chatbots where we're not sure if we're talking to a real person or an automated response. Those sorts of things are getting very disconcerting for a lot of people. And I guess with any technological development, it's always been the case that you can instantly see all the positive life-enhancing aspects of this. But equally, it doesn't take a huge leap to then think actually how this can be misused which I guess underlines there's going to be some major ethical concerns. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things involved. Let's take one simple example that is getting educators very excited right now. If you can use things like ChatGPT and other things to generate an essay by giving it just a few keywords and a little bit of background, and it generates a new essay, not something that's been copied from somewhere, but new text that isn't detectable by the current ways that we look for people who are plagiarizing. How will we work with students submitting essays or other sorts of things? So to me, there's a couple of issues there. One is, can we detect what came from, for example, one of the OpenAI ChatGPT tools? And they're working on that so that actually they can reverse engineer and say, this came from one of our tools. So that's the first part of it. And then the second one is, that kind of moral issue, which is, should we be getting students to reproduce the kinds of things that we could automate anyway? Shouldn't they be actually thinking differently, working differently, trying to look at some of the issues without spending all of their time reproducing material that could be created for them? So we're in this strange situation right now. Yeah, interesting point. What's the second? So the first one was ethics. The second is that we're going to start to see more of these AI digital technologies in the workplace. And in particular, one of those areas is what's starting to be called digital twins. Now, we've always had digital models of parts of our systems, parts of our society, parts of the workplace. But what we're starting to see is because we're getting more data sources in more or less real time, is we can keep these models up to date with the real world. And we can synchronize so that we get both a reflection of the real world and we can experiment with these models and go back and change what's going on in the real world. So we can go in both directions. And these digital twins are becoming quite useful. And there are many examples of those to do with how production lines have been created, what's happening in a factory, trains running around the tube in London, those sorts of things. And use of energy, which is another big area that people are very concerned about. How can we understand energy use, energy management in very complex circumstances? So I think digital twins will be one of the areas in 2023. We'll see a lot of really good examples of where this smart technology is becoming realized. You mentioned that energy usage. Just as an aside, to what extent do you think we need to do more with these smart technologies to actually fight the biggest challenge I guess we're facing, which is climate change? Are we using them enough? I think the easy answer is to say no, because I think one of the big things that we're looking at, for example, in the index group, looking at digital technologies and their application in business is in the area of sustainability, circular economy, those sorts of areas where I think what we'll be able to use these digital technologies for is to understand waste, is to understand inefficiencies, is to understand where we can avoid the losses that are a huge part of our sustainability issue. If you look at energy, if you look at water, if you look at other things, where we see a huge opportunity is to prevent some of the errors that are being made, prevent some of the leaks, prevent some of the misuse. And if we can do that, we'll make a huge saving without increases in new technologies for new kinds of energy or investing an awful lot in new delivery capabilities. On to your third theme, Adam. So the third one for me is, I think we're going to see in 2023 
massive and very divergent experimentation in AI. And as I mentioned early on, we've moved, I think, over the last few years from the focus on the core technology to a focus on the application of those technologies. And even if you look at now at what's happened in the last month with some of these more conversational AI capabilities, is we're seeing them applied in a very vast range of uses from education through to using these, for example, to generate code for software developers so that that code is developed by these chat GPT infrastructure, right the way through to all sorts of things to do with language translation, to do with all sorts of things from medical science to law to everything else. I saw one where they were using chat GPT to try to pass the law exam. Could it pass the law exam? So I think we're going to see a massive experimentation over the next 12 months. And I think that will be really exciting to see what the possibilities are and where we can see these technologies used and where it doesn't fit. You mentioned some industries there. Are there some sectors that are particularly well suited at the moment to using these technologies? And particularly, does the public sector need to start using some of this a bit more? Yeah, I think there's two big areas that I'm interested in. One is these more routine, mundane things that you can do for checking documents are filled in properly. And that idea that filling in your tax form and instead of it being filled in incorrectly, that you can check online through some of these online tools. Imagine if there's much more intelligence behind those, which can support and help you to fill in those kinds of details so that by the time they're being processed by a human, 95% of the errors have been removed and they're dealing with the content. They're dealing with the more interesting kinds of problems that we want them to focus on rather than you filled in this form wrong and you didn't realize that number needed to be divided by that number. The second is at the other end of that, which is, for example, areas like professional services, which are very knowledge-based. The legal profession, for example, an awful lot of their time is spent looking up case law, making sure that they understand the details and the history and the provenance of information. Those sorts of things are really ripe for automation in these more intelligent ways because interpreting law is complex and sophisticated. So traditional computational techniques really are very limited. Once you add these more intelligent techniques, you can get much further. And I think we're going to see in areas like education, professional services, legal, accounting, we're going to see quite a revolution, I think. What about the fourth thing? So for the fourth, one of the things that is important to understand is that these sort of artificial intelligent techniques are largely based on our ability to manage and understand large amounts of data. So large-scale data management is at the core of the sophistication that we're seeing today. And I think we're going to see quite a lot of improvements there for how we understand, control, manage data. And that brings many aspects, technical aspects, of course, where and how do we store it? How do we understand it? What formats it in? How do we translate it? But also broader issues to do with perhaps the, the legal and ethical issues of ownership, where that data came from, where it's held, who can manage it, the sovereignty over that data. And I think we're going to see a lot of attention on managing data more effectively and efficiently to drive artificial intelligence. How do you see that working at a global level, Adam? Because obviously, you know, some jurisdictions will have different laws to others. I think quite interestingly, and I think paradoxically, I think it creates a local problem and a global problem. Mm -hmm. The local problem is if you take any institution like a university, they have huge amounts of data. It's not particularly well managed in the use of that data, the mining of that data, the ability to infer new things, the ability to make decisions more effectively, our understanding of where it came from. And I think many of the questions are going to be not, can we do that technically, but should we do that? Are we allowed to do that? 
Will the result of that cause issues and cause problems for the communities and stakeholders? So I think we've got a local issue. And then the global issue is going to be if one of the things that the internet has done is remove the idea of physical distance, then what does it mean that this data was stored in a server in the United States, shipped around the internet and ended up in Asia, and then was used on a computer in my bedroom in Exeter? What does that mean? What does that mean for who's got access to the data? Can I use it? Who's got ownership of it? Who's responsible for it? And of course, the liabilities if it's wrong. The final one for me is really to do with jobs and skills. The challenge we're going to face right now is, am I equipped to deal with this? And are the people around me improving their skills in these areas so that my group, my team, my organization is able to take advantage of this in a way that's effective and also competitive with others in my space? And I think we might see some quite big differentiations between organizations in terms of how can they act and move and what kind of skills and job base will they need in order to be in the lead in these areas. And that's going to be a major challenge for most organizations. As we know, the last few years have been really difficult finding the right skills. That's not going to get easier, even with the the kind of crunch that we're going to see economically. Finding those right skills, being able to pay for them, being able to bring them on board, being able to keep them being able to move them into the areas that will make the most impact for your business is not going to be straightforward. And I think that's going to be a lot of attention right now. Unfortunately, some of our infrastructural services, HR, contracts, those sorts of areas are under a lot of pressure right now because of the changes going on. And they're going to have to get out ahead of this problem in order to help to smooth the path. And that's going to be a real challenge for most organizations. But it kind of brings us full circle to what we were talking about at the beginning of you can take a position of fear or a position of opportunity. So my interpretation of what you're saying there is that actually certain jobs are going to go. The flip side of that is actually this is going to create other jobs. And the big challenge is getting people into and developing those skills in order to do Yes, I think that's correct. There is that shift going to go on. But as importantly, and perhaps even a precursor to that, is lots of what's going to happen is the people themselves will be being moved forward. So one thing I read the other day was, don't worry about AI taking your job. Worry about another person using AI taking your job. And I think that's what we should be more concerned about first, is people with the right skills using AI and using the data that's around will be more effective doing your job if you don't upskill. That is a perfect thought to end on and I'm sure give people a lot of thinking and hopefully we further develop in this area. So Alan, thank you very much for spending the time with us afternoon. Absolutely fascinating to get your thoughts on this area, which is going to change a lot of things in the future. So thank you very much indeed. Thank you, Toby.